Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns, welcome to Hour 3 of Gerard at Large. I am your... Ah, <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you, there are going to be a lot of people upset with me after this show host. Rich Gerard, thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at GerardAtLarge.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, also at Gerard at Large, where we encourage you to like us and to follow us. Because we just want to be loved. And joining us in studio now, and I'm sure she has more than enough material to cover the whole hour, but I'm going to waylay the first segment with her. Because uh, I want to continue this discussion about the union involvement in the elections. And I'm sure Anne-Marie has got opinions about that. Uh, you can find us online at GerardAtLarge.com. Did I say this already? Facebook and Twitter also at Gerard Large. We encourage you to like us, follow us, because we all want to be loved. Six zero six six seven six two. Uh, is our call-in number, and we've been reviewing the. I'm going to. You know what? You know the other thing is I'm going to get. I'm going to get heat from people. Oh, it's Mike Ricker, not Ricard. Not everyone is French. <laughs> Did I put it wrong? Did I? I probably said it wrong. No, I probably put it wrong too. Let me look. That's Ward Nine. Love my. Oh yeah, I, I, I screwed up. Okay, Ricker, Mike Ricker. So. um but when you take a look at the uh, at who the union's backing, there's a very clear agenda there, and the agenda isn't education, unless you consider just handing out pay raises and increasing your per pupil expenditures. Education, and one of the things that we really need to have a, a sort of thank you, sir, you know, a come to Jesus moment on when it comes to education is whether or not money solves all problems. Because in my never-to-be-humble opinion, while it solves some, it also creates others. So back to John DePietro's survey, right? Oh, we need to lower class sizes at every level in the Queen City. Um, Have you taken a look at the high school enrollments? Fact is, is we don't need to lower class sizes in the high schools. Oh, sure, you might find a math class here and there that's got 28 kids when you'd rather have 20 or 18. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, but how many how many more classes, say, in foreign languages do I need to run that have got five kids in them? Uh, you know, when you take how many how many AP classes that have got 12 kids do I need to run? How many, you know, how many upper level classes that have X? You know, folks, not that I'm against upper level classes, but, you know, you can have class sizes that are too low. And frankly, my kids at West High School who have sat in classes of seven and eight kids have not necessarily had a rigorous academic experience as a result of it because you do need a certain center of gravity of kids in a classroom to have, you know, a little intellectual energy in exchange. If it's the same five or six kids every time, well, but the teacher gets to spend more individual time with them. Eh, Well, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder sometimes. I don't know. So we are not focused on the right things in education. And I submit to you that one of the reasons why those we elect are not focused on the right things. uh, uh, um, Well, I submit to you that one of the reasons why we as a body politic, we as the general public, aren't focused on the right things is because the people we elect are not focused on the right things. We tend to listen to our leadership, the people we elect, the people we expect to know things. Instead, we end up, you know, we they have these politicians listen to blowhards like Jim O'Connell, 
who's every time is we have to, you know, it's an embarrassment that we spend less money per student than any other district in the state of New Hampshire. The presumption there is that every dollar that's being spent absolutely must be spent and is being spent in the best way possible. But we all know that's not true. And what's the? Oh, you can put the mic in front of your mouth. Okay. <laughs> and 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 and, and, and so I can actually speak the comments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. and and what is the evidence? What is the yeah. evidence that that um, everything is being done the way it should be done? And by the way, there's plenty of evidence that when you just when you when you increase spending enough to maintain this moribund status quo, you continue to get the moribund results. That's just a fact. Look what Manchester did when it overrode the tax cap, not this past year, but two years ago. Did Debbie Livingston, the then superintendent, make any changes whatsoever to the Manchester School District is doing? Nope. They basically paid for the pay raises. Did we have massive deficits that we had to offset in special ed? Yep, because they didn't fix anything there. Did we have massive deficits that we had in uh, professional and technical services out of state? Yep. They didn't change anything there. Um, did, were we still running classes at the high school side? She did, I'll give her credit on one thing. She did come forward and say there are 16 te- teaching positions at the high school level. We don't need – We get we, you know eight of them need to be laid off. The board said no. But why should the board say yes? The board got all the money that it wanted. Right? Thank you, Alderman. They thought I was crazy when the Alderman called me before them and, I, and they said, can you live within the tax cap? And I said, yes. And it's not going to cripple the district. It will cause some of the changes that need to be made to be made. Mm. Oh, wasn't I the jerk? And then they gave them the money. And guess what? They spent it. (laughs) They spent it. And did they spend it on changes? That's why you got to give Vargas credit. He said, if you give me $2 million more, this is exactly what I'm going to do with it. And guess what? He did exactly with it what he said he was going to do with it. Yeah. Well, I always say there's two items that tend to go under the radar screen and that is the quality of the curriculum and the quality of the teachers if you are really focused on that then i say that you're probably focused on quality education if you all you are focused on is is just funneling more money in to a school district then do not tell me you care about public education no i'm sorry it's not going to work because i see a lot of people want, who care about money 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 going into a school and do not care and a- actually oftentimes stand against making significant mm-hmm. quality improvements to a school like improving the quality of the curriculum and yeah. uh, we're getting a news alert here from a loyal listener in manchester the manchester police department is advising folks to stay away from the streets around central high school There is police activity in the area. It does not involve the high school. They are just warning people to stay away from the central area as apparently they have uh, some roads shut down. Okay. So, well, yeah, but to that point now, three people in particular on the Manchester School Board have earned what I would consider to be the ire, resentment, if not enmity of certain members of the district office staff. And those three members are Curriculum and Instruction Committee Chairman Debbie Langton, myself, and Ward 5 School Board member Lisa Freeman. Mm -hmm. Because if you watch those Curriculum and Instruction Committee meetings, you will find that the three of us, John Avard from time to time, but the three of us for certain, are relentless when it comes to questioning the administration about what we're doing in our kids' 
classrooms. Exactly. And to say that they have and, and, and Dr. Vargas, unfortunately, has been the victim of, of, of their venom as well. Because he has brought forward things like a complete overhaul of the way we assess our students. So whatever you might think of the particular assessment, we went with the iReady assessments, mm-hmm. right? In first grade, because thanks to me saying, I don't want kindergartners taking this test. Mm-hmm. We made the test opt-in for kindergarten and opt-out for grades one through eight. Now, every student in Manchester is going to be subject to the same standardized assessment administered by the district. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Do you know what a fight that was behind the scenes? I mean, oh. and, and Principal Brennan from uh, Beach Street School was the chair of the committee, which contained mostly principals and a, and a few other people, a couple people from the district office. Um, but once it got to the board, whew, sailed right through. It didn't even get pulled off the consent agenda. Mm. Okay, uh, But other things that he's trying to do to change the way the district is doing things, he's encountering fierce resistance. And those of us who sit there and say, Okay, so we don't have a math curriculum. Oh, it's our st- – no, we don't have a math curriculum. Yeah, look. That's a problem. Uh, or an English curriculum. Or that's a problem. We take a look at how they're doing things and, you know, someone said, well, you know, I've been doing this for 16 years and I and – I, it was probably rude, but I said, well, what in your 16 years of recommendations leads me to conclude or should lead me to conclude that I should continue to take your recommendations? Yeah. They don't like that. And so we get <laughs> – enormous pushback when we start to focus on what's happening in classrooms and then people wonder why teachers who are frustrated with what's going on come to me or go to debbie or go to the superintendent or go to lisa or some of the people who are actively giving voice to these things at committee as a way of trying to change them it's brutal and you know what i've never once heard from the union in my time as a school board member or any time since or before then about things that can be done to improve the quality. the quality of education yeah. other than pay me more money and yeah. put more of me in the classroom. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, teachers across the country have been um, really vocal uh, criticizing union leadership because I think that they are seeing it. They're seeing that, that they're really not fighting for the teachers. They're not even fighting for the students. They're fighting for political power. And I think once you realize that, uh, then – you can certainly see that this is not going to impact your children in a positive way. A union endorsement, uh, that doesn't even register in my mind. I wouldn't even look at something like that when I was if I was looking at a school board member or somebody who's running for school board because they're not focused on the quality right. of education. They're just not. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not a, a union basher because I know that teachers are in a very tough predicament in the, the atmosphere that they work in now. And sometimes they need to have somebody out there fighting for them as far as the the kind of quality of environment they're working in. So I can get why, uh, you know, they feel like they need that, that support system. But that support system is not there for your child. It's, no. it, they, I just don't see anything that they do that is focused on quality public education. It's all about political power. And, and teachers know that. They see that. Well, and, and then, though, but you have to, uh, you have to understand, um, and we'll round this out, and then we'll get to what you want to talk to. Okay. We have to understand, though, that when um, people want to know why the elected officials aren't focused on the real issues, yes. it is uh, twofold. It is the union – 
that will put the weight of its thousand members behind candidates. And listen, it may only be a $150 donation, but all of the emails you don't see, all of the volunteers you don't see that distribute the literature, that make phone calls, that drive people to the polls, that the ones you do see that hold the signs, et cetera, et cetera, the, the intangible value of that is enormous. Yes. And if you're up against that, and I can tell you. It's a machine. Because every time I've run yes. or managed to campaign, it's been up against that machine. Yes. It is formidable. And when it comes contract time, you better believe they come calling. Just like on the whole, um, uh, whatchamacallit thing, uh, preschool, you know, the expansion of preschool, the Head Start thing, yep. you know, they didn't call me. They called Sarah Ambrosi because Sarah Ambrosi filled out their survey the right way. She was the chair of the committee that they needed to to get it through. They called her multiple times. They met with her. They met with Ross Terrio. You know, Ross brokered like Ross likes to do, brokered these little deals and said, well, I'll do this, but not that. So he became sort of the, mm-hmm. the linchpin. Vo- they only talked to the people that uh, took their endorsement, took their support and were sympathetic to their cause. They, they talked to me ahead of time. No. Um, so that's one part of it. These special interests, particularly the unions, who come calling when it's time to collect on what they gave you. And then it's the bureaucracy who sits there and says, well, I'm the expert. And well, no one wants to cut. We, after all, we pay these experts to do their job. Well, to which I say, the, uh, the experts built the Titanic <laughs> and the amateurs built the ark. This is Gerard at Large. 